Welcome to Meet the Maker Australia podcast, where we talk with the makers of music, art, images and books. Come on in and have a listen and learn about what we make. Welcome to a brand new podcast called Meet the Maker. Meet the Maker is where we talk to people who make stuff. It could be music, it could be sculpture, it could be photography, it could be anything. This is our very, very first episode and I'm so excited to have Rob Clark, who is a maker of music. So we're going to meet the maker. Rob, how are you? Oh, mate, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Mate, thank you for agreeing to coming in and sitting down and sharing something about what you do because... You know, I've been following you for a while, the stuff that you've been creating, which has been fantastic because I, you know, and look, we'll get it right off the bat. I mean, I've known your dad for a long time. We won't bore people with that story, but there is a, <laughs> there is a backstory there. <laughs> you know, I've been watching you kind of blossom as, a, as a, an artist, basically, and just growing your, I suppose, your skills and your confidence has been growing, but I'd like to take you back to understand where you, where you where it all started. So tell me a little bit about where you were born. I really appreciate you saying a lot of that stuff, mate. I think a lot of the problem I've had with a lot of uh, things, whether that's work, music, etc., is I don't... Self-belief isn't something that's been in high quantities. Yes. And so... And it's not uncommon for people who... who are people like yourself who are artists, like quite often that's... It doesn't matter if you're an artist creating images or you're an artist painting that quite often self-doubt's one of the real big, it's a big killer. Oh, yeah. But no, I um, I was born in Brisbane. I was born down the road, well, not down the road from here, but just at the Martyr Hospital. Yes. And um, a lot of people, one of the first things people ask me is, how long have I been here? Yes. And it's because I think a bit there's a bit of a twang in the way I talk. Yes, a bit there of is. pronunciation. There's words like yogurt, plant, dance. <laughs> All, all words that I was made fun of in in various uh, in various points in my life for the way I pronounce them. Yes, but the, my family emigrated here about a month before I was born. Both born in the same part of England, come from the same part of England, and yeah, born in Brisbane, grown up here my whole life. But even though I was uh, even though I was raised here, I uh, there are huge cultural gaps in my knowledge. For example, I can remember being six or seven years old and being invited to a mate's birthday and watching these kids play this game where they're throwing around an egg, an egg-shaped ball. Yes. And and falling out and didn't know what it was. Well, yes. Yeah, it's rugby. And yes. And like, yeah, it's rugby. I'm like, What's you didn't that? teach me that. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't teach me any well, of that you, stuff. You thought football's around. Yeah, football's around on the ground and uh, it's one point per score, not yes. three. Is it three points for falling down with the ball? Or? Oh, yeah, the try or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But is it three points or is it four? I can oh, never I'm, remember. No, I can't. I'm not not a, not a big kind not of not a big rugby guy. Not a big rugby guy, but yeah. It's always interesting because you're sort of an insider but an outsider at the same time your whole life, right? Yes. Because uh, you look like you fit in, but you know, there's there's stuff missing up here and there's stuff missing when I talk. That sort of yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. Cool. So but yeah. So. Your primary school years, where did you go to primary school? Ah, so went to a, a beautiful, prestigious public school. Yes, yep. Called Corinda State Primary School. Yes. And 
wasn't really it was it was a nice enough place during that time you know that was years one to seven yeah what was there anything that you did outside of schoolwork was there other things of interest that you did well, sports we or always played football since yeah. from uh, from when I was about five years old to when I finished high school played uh played football for club that was okay really yeah not, not not nothing too flash but not the worst player on the side in grade five we had an instrumental music program which everyone had to sign up for no matter whether whether you loved it hated it or really hated it and it's sort of testament testament to my dad's ability to make things happen which has sort of informed quite a lot of how I feel about things now and how I go about certain things now but I've got pretty big lips I wanted to play the trumpet yes they they said your lips are too big to play the trumpet Oh, so they gave me what's a euphonium, which is a mini tuba yes. to play. And I did that for a little while. Dad went and found a trumpet somewhere. Um, yeah, don't know how he came across that. But he got me a trumpet and I got myself into the trumpet section. And by high school, I was first chair for that. So I couldn't really read music. Yes. I knew that that part of the stave corresponded to this finger movement and this pitch. Yes. But I didn't know what that was called. Yep. I didn't know if that was an A and or an And I was going to ask you, where, where, where did the music ability come from? So do, it came naturally to you? Um, I don't really know. So growing up, we're always listening to records and stuff, and mum would listen to the Beatles and dad would have a lot of the police on, and that has a lot of natural harmony in it. And the reason I bring this up is when I was um, when I was playing in in bands after high school, some people would be like, "How do you know where the harmonies are?" It's like you, you just you just know. You don't you don't have to figure it out, or at least the, for the basic ones, you don't have to figure it out. You just go, you know, that you go a third or a fifth, but you don't. I didn't even know that. You just know where they are. Yes, because that's that's what it sounds like. And I guess listening to a lot of things like the Beatles, like the Police, with a lot of their with a lot of their harmonizing, you just you just know what sounds good for that particular thing, and you just go with it, right? Um, yes. so it's, it's, it's like a it's it's that natural instinct basically hmm. that you just know this is right and this is this is the way it should be. Oh yeah, and look, whilst there was practice and there was like learning on the trumpet and stuff, I can't really I can't really think of a time where I didn't know what I was doing. Like I wasn't the best trumpet player and I was never going to be because of obviously my horrible deformity of having bigger lips than the average fella. You know, I can't really recall uh, a, a moment where things, you know, were, were particularly difficult. You know, I just, yeah, it's not something I can recall. So, and, so that happened. So that, so the first introduction is really in primary school and then yeah. that carried through into, into the high school into year. Into high school, yeah. So I kept playing trumpet. They dressed us in horrible outfits. Yep. So the high school band outfit was like this gothic choir black all the whole way down. And yep. then instead of like something light in the top to sort of make it pop, had this horrible dark forest green uh, waistcoat. Yep. Waistcoat over top. And it just it just looked drab and horrible. But, um, but yeah, I guess... That's where the sort of clashes start to happen because not everybody had to do music in high school. It's an elective when it comes to both the instrumental and the subject. Yes. Because yep. they're not the same. You can do one without the other, right? And so, like, I was sort of challenged with, ah, oh, this is uncool. And that might not necessarily have been the way other people had perceived it, but it's how I was perceiving their perception. Yes. Yep. If that makes sense. 
And so I started to feel real self-conscious about it, didn't want to do it anymore. I decided to stay with it because, you know, dad put in effort to get me started. Well, the the gear that I needed to do it. You know, he drove me to practice every morning. So I used to have to get up super early and he'd drive me on his way to work every every Wednesday morning to and every Friday morning sometimes as well to do the jazz band. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was um yeah. Again, a lot of it is down to my own perception of what other people thought about it, not necessarily what it actually was. So during the the high school years, you you graduated high school and you left high school. Mm. So where did your music go? What 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 direction did you go with your music after oh, that point? Oh, as soon as I could drop the trumpet, I did. Haven't picked. I picked it up every now and then to blow it. But during high school, I took music as an elective as well. That's where it's sort of a combination of things. So you pick up a guitar and you and you mess around with it a little bit. But my brother is an excellent guitarist. He's about three years my junior. He could play anything. He could play anything, and he can play anything now. I guess the natural progression of things would be to accompany him, which is how it started. So I got myself started on a bass. He was on guitar, and we had a friend who lived down the road who could hit a good drum. Yes, yep. Um, he inherited a drum kit from his sister who played drums in that same concert band that I played trumpet in. Yeah, it started off really being an accompaniment, accompaniment for him and his guitar playing ability, and we actually had a little band together that we won a, a high school bands competition Yes. with. And I think my attitude towards music back then and for a lot of my early adult life was that if it wasn't done in the UK in the 60s, 70s and 80s, it wasn't music and that it should be just ignored. Yes. Right. That grew to being the 90s with Oasis and Blur after I discovered who they were. But it's a bit of a closed off mindset now that I look back at it. Not an incorrect one by any st- by any means at all. But it, but everyone gets their influences from somewhere, and you form your opinions of of things in the world. And they quite often, for most people, it is it is what you learn at home. Oh yeah, you know. So they 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 are your strongest key influences are what your parents do. Mm. So you pass on the, I suppose that kind of tradition, and then some people obviously run with it, and other people then start to make up their own mind and develop their own ideas oh yeah well if you uh as you rightly pointed out at the beginning of this podcast you've known my dad for quite a while yes if you if you talk to him for more than 10 minutes you'd know that if you like something that he didn't like he'd think that was stupid whatever not yourself for liking it just whatever that was yes i don't like that i had a bad experience once with it and therefore i hate it yes and I think I, I think I inherited a little bit of that. Yes. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> it depends who you are. Some people think that's a lot. Yep. Um, so basically, you, you were, would you say you were, you were messing around on the base with your brother, mm-hmm. and you were kind of really playing third wheel to who, what he was trying to do at that point. Well, he was really shy, so he didn't sing. Yep. So I sang and played bass. Yep. So I guess whilst I was the accompaniment to him, we sort of accompanied each other. To, to an extent, yeah, we I would write all the music. He would um, he would play guitar. I'd play bass, and we our drummer would drum. Yes, and he was a close family friend. Yep. And I was going to ask that. When did you actually? I mean, obviously, when people first start out in music, it's it's usually they're covering um, some of their favorite artists mm. and and trying to mimic and learn how they do things. 
So when was it you've when did you actually make your first piece of music that was actually Rob Clark? Oh wow. Okay. Well, to clear things up, we none of the three of us like the same anything. Uh, so the drummer like you sort of your heavy uh, sort of rock metal sort yep. of stuff. Deep Purple and No, no, no. Oh, no, not, no, not, no, not. no, no, like Metallica. Oh, Metallica, okay. And New Metallica and uh, yeah. Will he liked a lot of your uh, Dragon Forcey, Guns N' Roses y sort of stuff. Yes. And I liked a lot of light stuff. Yes. So the key for that and and one of the good things that made us work really well is that they did all their impressive rock and rolly soloy stuff. And this'll 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 come up again later, but my love and fetish for pop music balances it out. Yes. So that would be doing its thing over there. I would be doing my thing. And then somewhere in the middle, that's what came out and it sounded good. Yes. So the music I was sort of writing back then was a lot more in that sort of vein. Because if you think about, you know, your Deep Purples and your Black Sabbaths, that's sort of where those two genres meet, right? And so it did sort of sound like that Led Zeppelin-y, Black Sabbath-y, that sort of... Yes. Yeah, that sort of, that sort of thing. Now... A lot of the other music I was writing outside of that happened to be very 60s based. And I thought that's the only kind of music that exists that's worth making. But I had no idea that a lot of what I was doing sounded a lot like contemporary stuff at the time. Yeah, Ed Sheeran's and this sort of stuff. And one of my girlfriends was telling me the stuff you're writing, if you just played it on acoustic guitar a little bit or changed a little bit about it, it would it'd sound pretty much like... Yeah, you know, that sort of That's, style of music. Uh, yes. And that that annoyed their crap out of me because I didn't like that at all. Like I thought that was cheesy, blah, 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 all this, that, and the other. And um, and so instead of taking the advice, embracing it and running with it, I ignored it and thought that was incorrect and wrong and that only a fool would take such brilliant advice. So to answer your question, when did I start making Rob music? Probably... Probably sometime last year. Yep. Yeah. When you sort of embrace that sort of side of yourself that's doing, yeah, you know, when, when I was sort of embracing the, the other stuff, if you know what I mean, that I didn't want to embrace. Yep. So would you, would you call it that, reflect on that experience as being like that was your apprenticeship, that was kind of helping you learn your way and then try and work out who you were? That's another lesson I've learned from my dad. Your apprenticeship is never over. The apprenticeship is like it's never done. You 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 move up the ladder of apprenticeness. Yes. But the more you move, the more it grows ahead of you. Like I don't think, I think it would be very dangerous for anybody to say that, you know, I've learned everything I need to learn about this, and there is nothing more to learn. I of, I often say about because I'm a maker of of images, and mm. so and I often say to people that I I've never stopped learning photography. Yeah. It's just a constant. And I will just continue to learn. Yeah, it's constant say, evolution. It's, it's constant just, change. Yeah. It, it is. And there's there's always new things to learn. But the other thing too is that over time your ideas change mm. on how you think about stuff. So you can think about something that you wouldn't have embarked on earlier. Yeah. That you'll then actually start going down that rabbit hole, which is quite interesting. And that yeah. that is, is growing as a person. And like I said, so you never stop learning. So it's interesting that you've – it, it's I think it's a re- and it's a really healthy attitude to have that you don't know everything and there's so much more you can learn. 
took me too long to learn that yeah. lesson. If, if I could give advice to anybody, it would be learn that as early as you can. Yes. Because I surely didn't. And, and look, that, that is the challenge for people trying to find the, find the way. People who, who basically out there and go and make something, and particularly I think in the music industry, and it's, and it's, it's kind of like at the moment it's bittersweet. I see the music industry as we've got fantastic, all this technology where people can basically go out and record music and it's quite easily for someone to do that themselves. But we've got a situation in the world where basically um, live music is a is pretty much a it's a pretty you know hard place at the moment because people just can't work around all the restrictions and that type of stuff. I, I really feel for that that side of it because there's been a lot of support for other people who've lost work or income, mm. but musicians really it's kind of like then don't rate on the on the on the barometer or something. I just don't I don't get it. I think it's I think it's difficult. I don't really have much of a much of an opinion because I don't really I don't really play a lot of live music. I play I play a lot for myself and I re, I some I record some songs, right? But in terms of live gigs, I haven't really I put in a little bit of effort into trying to find something. Yeah. But I haven't been I haven't been trying as hard as you probably could to to do that sort of thing and I think I think I've allowed myself to blame that a little bit on the whole lockdown sort of thing. Yeah. Which is just being honest. But I think in terms of seeing what other people who do do some live instrument live instrumental and live performance stuff, I think you're 100% correct. Like Obviously, um, yeah, there are a lot of people who put a lot of man hours into practice, and 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 it comes it comes through on a lot of on a lot of things people say re- in regards to. So I practice for hours and upon hours a week. Yep. I I write songs, put my blood, sweat, and tears into creating this, and you want to pay me fifty dollars, two drinks, and exposure, for performing for three hours or something like that, for example. Yep. And it is it is kind of funny. I think. The problem isn't necessarily how how uh, the government views it as a as a support. I think it's how a lot of people view music as something that's free and that everyone should have access to. And I think over time, with technology developing, that's just how things go, right? People think they should be able to use videos that are online or pictures that are online without paying for them because they're there in in the universe, right? Yes. And it's because all of that stuff is readily available and readily accessible, people think that they can have it or that it's theirs. Um, and look, that, and that diminishes, from a fiscal point of view, the value of it. It does. It, it, look, every, everything like that has been devalued because of yeah, the freedom to access to access information or access content. And you, you're totally right. And it's happened across all the industries where someone makes something. People just think it's they can just grab this and run with it and use it and think nothing of it how much was a record you 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 would have been listening to records when you were younger yeah how much how much did it cost you for an lp back in the day back in the day look i think you probably paid about probably ten dollars for an lp when and that was quite a lot of money i mean i was probably my first job i was earning 31 dollars a week when i first yeah. started so that's a lot of money but that's a 30 a week spent on a record on a record right. so and i so if you were to go to apple sorry to cut you off there but if you go to apple music right now and look at the cost of a song um, or something like that. I'm pretty sure you can, as an artist, you can 
tell them where you want your songs to sell at, and I just pick the lowest one. Yes, yep. But I'm pretty sure like it's it's in the ballpark of somewhere between fifty cents to three dollars or something some something in that in that sort of ballpark. And in comparison to how much an LP would have cost, it's um yeah, it's a lot of lower price to pay, isn't it? It is. And look, I think back I mean, obviously back then if you wanted if you wanted to listen to an artist's music, you really you had to buy the album. Pre order. I used to be in a record club. Hmm. So in the record club some of the benefits was that you actually got, I forget what it was. It might be once you bought 10 albums, you actually got one free. Yeah, okay. Which was really cool. So yeah. it was kind of like, and and I've still got a very large collection of LPs. I'm I'm very reluctant to um, to part with them. Oh, yeah. Because this is something I grew up with and I, you know, just used to just love getting, busting out a new album out of the packet, reading the, the, the dust jacket, reading, mm. you know, what was in it. It was interesting part of time for music because we've kind of lost that that part of it because the album cover and the way it's packaged was a part of the experience. Mm. Whereas today it's like you download it from Spotify, you download it from Apple Music or whatever, and it's it's on your device and you play it. So it, it has changed the way things are, are valued. So it makes it very hard moving forward. But I mean, it hasn't deterred you from actually going out there and making music. Hell no. And so a lot of my music I make for me hmm. and I figure that someone else might enjoy it. So I'll put it out there and see how it goes. Yep. Someone wants to listen and, and buy that music. That's fantastic. That's 100%. Kind. Yeah. And, but like I said, and a lot of people who make stuff do make it for themselves. It is, it's, it's for them. And it, it's a buzz when people, other people do kind of show some interest hmm. um, and some love for it. So with your, so, so re- realistically, it's only fairly recently that you've actually put some stuff out there into the universe where people can actually go and download it. Yeah. Can you tell us about the very first track that you put out? So very unpolished. Uh, I got approached by some people from Instagram one night and they're like, are you working on anything? We'll, we'll, um, we'll help you from any stage of the blah, blah, blah you want. I'm like, I can't afford that right now. Went to bed after having a couple of scotches and said, all right, I got something I want to do. Send them a mix yes of what i've done yeah basically what came of it if i listen back to it now what what sort of happens with with music and production is very similar to what happens in any relationship so if you if you're a, if you're a if you're in a, a business relationship with another person the longer you're with them the better relationship the better you understand each other the better you're able to they're able to prepare you for things and you're able to prepare them for them for things so I very much approached it with a, a very headstrong attitude of this is what I got, not changing it, blah, 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 blah. That's what's happening. From a, from a writing point of view, that's still the same, but from a, how I've recorded it, how I've gone about doing this. So when it came time, so you know that song was very, I think if I was to redo it now, it'd sound a lot better because I'd be able to do this with it. I'd be able to do that with it. I'd be able to add different things to it and improve the overall the overall package that it that comes wrapped up in, right? When it comes time to do the second song, I'm asking questions like, how with my limited equipment and limited space, because I do it all in my house at home. Yes. Not in a soundproof room. We don't have a we don't have a beautiful production quality like we have here in the studio. It's basically if you could imagine a mic on a music stand. Yep. And a pop filter. Yep. 
That's that, about it. That's it. Yeah. What can I do for you to get the best out of my electric guitar? So that's when we start doing things like double tracking the electric guitar, one with a condenser mic, one with a dynamic mic. What that allows you to do is you can split off the sound from that mic and make that do weird and wonderful things, that mic do weird and wonderful things. If you double track everything and double track it a million times, which we did for some instruments, what you can do with it is just every time, every song gets better and better. So, yes, yep. so I think the last one I put out, that Body Like You song, that that has probably gotten the best feedback from a lot of people and if you were to see the stems or the different recording tracks there are a couple of vocal tracks one bass two bass tracks one with a high low octave and then i think i counted 27 different guitar tracks and that's just from layering the same thing played slightly differently yep. in a in a thing and i remember sending it to the guy who's working on it for me he just opens up his like, oh my god <laughs> why has he done this it's like it's like i've almost taken his advice slightly too far yes but it's uh it's like most things the more you put in like the the better of a result you're gonna get right and i think that on the next couple of songs so i've got i've submitted a couple of songs to this guy i've been working with he's a bit of more of a local guy but i've submitted a couple of things for him which i think are done and i've said look i just need you to tell me this is what I'm going for because we work. We we we've been talking for a little bit, and I've just sort of given him what I want to go go towards, and I've sort of submitted what I've got and said, "This is what I want to do now." Is there anything like you hear this guitar part? What can I do to to give you what you need to get that to the level that you need to get it to? This is the bass part. You don't need to worry about bass. That's easy. That's just that's just that's just easy. But you know what I mean, like, and so. It's about building up that relationship with that new guy. One of the songs that I'm preparing, I've been trying to finish for three years and I finished it a, like a couple of months ago. Yep. Yeah. I showed Ed. Ed actually really liked it. He reckons it's my best song so far. Yep. But you have to wait three more songs to hear that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, you're, so what you're saying, you're starting to learn the value of collaborations, working with people. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and getting getting feedback from them and then taking some you know, parts of that on board that you can digest. Yeah. And that's really helped you grow. hundred percent. Yeah. Many hands make light work. Yes. As yeah. it were. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's true for everything, I think. Look, it is. I think you can always, like I said, and it's interesting you talk about how your very first song, if you were, was to record that song again, mm. it would be, it'd be different because you, you got more knowledge, you know, more. It's the same as... And I'm a better guitar player. I'm a better this, that, the other. Yeah, and it's exactly the same with photography. When you look back at... A photographer looks back at images they took years ago. They cringe when they look at them and they can see all the mistakes in those images again. And it's kind of like if you took that same image today, you'd take it totally different. Mm. And it's just that... That's... I always say to people, you, you should never compare yourself to other people, other artists or other performers you should compare yourself to where you were 12 months ago hmm. and work out where you've been able to grow and what you've been able to achieve. Oh, 100%. You but know? A, lot, a lot of what held me back from doing anything is because I was always comparing myself to even... So I, I would never really put up a video of me playing guitar because in my mind, I'm not a very good guitar player. Yep. Other people will look at me and go, you know, yeah, you are, but a lot of those people can't play guitar. Yes, 
But as time's gone on, there have been more people who do play guitar who think I'm pretty good. And I, I would always look at people like my younger brother who can shred, who can do all these weird and wonderful techniques and do all this, that, and the other. But it never occurred to me that what I do really well, other people can't do. Like they can, they can, you know, play like Slash and Guns and Roses, but they can't, I don't know, n not really. In, n it's hard to explain because I can't really quantify what it is that I do. I just know that people have said, oh, I really like what you do and I wish I could do it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like it, it, if, for, it'd be like if someone was to come up to you and say, Steve, I really love the way you breathe. Yes. I wish I could breathe like you. Yeah, I wish I could breathe like you. And, you Hang know. on, that could be a song title. Ah, eh? uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, 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 maybe it's in the works. <laughs> Keep an eye out for that mm. one. So it, it's kind of interesting hearing your story about how you've been able to take this stuff on board and, and grow. Mm. And so you're let's let's work to through the kind of through the back catalogue, right? So let's do it. The sec the second second track you put out, mm. which what was that called? I can't remember. What was that one called? Don't know. We'll have to edit this part out and fix it. <laughs> no, no, don't worry about that. <coughs> uh, one of the things that I've learned, Steve, over my years of being on this planet, is that I always used to take myself too seriously, and I never used to be able to laugh at myself, which is a horrible trait. And now I almost go out of my way to look stupid. Like I don't, a couple tickets. That's what that one was. That's what it was. Couple of there tickets. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, if people know me, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of my uh, writing inspiration is about travel or yes. about going somewhere and doing something, because I like to do that. And I think that's always been uh, for for makers of things. It's always been you need to the basic motivation has to come from something that you like doing. A hundred percent. Yeah. Otherwise, you won't do it. Oh well, yeah. It was something that you have to feel strongly about, whether it's positively or negatively. Um, yeah, it has to be a strong emotion. I wouldn't say that you necessarily have to like it. I, I tell you right now, one of the things I detest doing is recording songs. Yes. I really don't like it. And it's not the act of which I don't like it. It's the fact that you have to sit there listening to yourself again and again and again and again and again. I don't really like the sound of my own voice. And not not the, many people do. It's interesting. Yeah. Because I've done so many podcasts, hmm. some people cringe when they don't want to listen to the podcast and because they just don't like hearing the sound of their own voice. Yeah. And it, it's interesting that over time, because I'm a bit like you, you know, I think I've produced now in excess of about 160 different podcasts. Whoa. So, and, and not all 160, but a lot of them I've actually been a part of those podcasts. Yeah. So when I'm editing these things up, you just, and the process of editing is very tedious. And dry. You're going yeah. back, quite often you're going backwards and forwards over a particular piece because you're cleaning stuff up, you drop, you know, you you hear a click, oh, I need to get that click out, that's mm. really annoying. You know, you're trying to find these things, so you're listening to it multiple times. You get to a point where you just have to, sometimes have to just accept your own voice of what it is and I know it's, it, it, I know exactly what kind of the, your thought process, but I've I've found now that I've just moved past that now. Well, that's something that we all have to get over because, well, for myself and my brother, we had a horrible time of it growing up because our dad's a very passionate guy and he absolutely loved watching us perform and yes. play. 
And so when we'd be in that band I was talking about earlier, he would re- he would record it all on tape on on on, yeah, he, he on used, the video camera. He used to send me the links. He on... used to show everybody because of how <laughs> proud he was. And the, the one of the one of the most feared things for my brother and I wasn't getting smacked. It wasn't wooden spoon. It wasn't you know any of that, or you know being banned from telly. It's when someone's over, everyone's in the lounge having hanging out, and Dad, because he's so proud of us wants to show everyone, the guests, whoever it is, us playing. Yes. And we were nothing. A cheater wouldn't catch us. If if the, if it was racing us out of that room, we were gone. Just because, I, I don't know what it was, but I felt like, I don't know, I felt like maybe we felt we were embarrassed uh, about ourselves because we didn't think we were that good. Yes. Yeah. And and I think... But I, th- but I think, look, as an artist, there's always, there's always that fear that someone might like you and I think that's it's, – it's similar, like I said, with, with photography that sometimes someone will see some work that you put your heart you know, hard into and they'll just flip it, oh, yeah, but, you know, what about something else? You know, they, and they completely just gloss over it. Yeah. To me, that's always something that, that that's a, a challenge for people to kind of learn how you deal with that. Mm. How do you deal with that? today when someone drags out and starts playing something that you've created well it wasn't great the other day um <laughs> the other day i'm at work and i work upstairs and um there are some of the blokes on the front counter and i'm i'm pretty good pretty good mates with them they really like what i do and so i walk downstairs and i hear one of my songs blasting out at full volume i'm going to go one and talk to one of these guys to you know get something done work-wise and I hear my song blasting at full volume. I'm halfway down the stairs. I turn around, walk back and go and sit down and wait the three minutes. <laughs> and it's it really depends on the scenario. Like I, I told you I, I showed um I showed my boss a song that he really liked. I, I don't mind a one on one or maybe a one on two sort of thing, but I get really nervous if I've got a lot of tension on me which is very counterintuitive for what yes. i want to do but that's just going to be something i have to continue to overcome with time because as a performer the spotlight is on you yeah and that's always been about when someone's performing you've basically got everyone's attention so mm. all the attention is actually on you and, and i think for some performers that's that's the thing that they really thrive on that that the fact that they've that got energy that energy that yeah. comes from that and you can actually also it's not like you know you've been to obviously a lot of live gigs and uh, you haven't oh. mate look i'll be honest with you i really don't like them really no i don't like being an audience member and if i am you'll find me sitting at the back yep listening see we're, i'm not we're jumping is... around in the front i'm not i'm sitting at the back and it annoys the it absolutely annoys people that I go to the to these things with when I do go because I just want to sit there and listen to it. I would rather sit there in the car and listen to the stereo from the studio session and um, I'm not really sure why because, yeah, I, I went to I went to see a band with a mate of mine who I've gone to many concerts with this guy. We've been to see Coldplay. We've gone to see these guys. We've gone, we've gone to see quite a few different bands and they played at the... I can't remember the name of the stage, but it's at QUT Gardens Point. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, River the, stage. The River stage, yeah. River yeah. Stage. And it's got this big embankment up the top yes. where they have all these hot dog carts and stuff. Yeah. I was sitting on the bank watching. Yeah. I was about 
hundred, two hundred meters away from the stage, watching and listening. Yeah. Because that's what I wanted. That's what I. That's how I enjoy music. Yes. When it comes to live stuff, like I'm very precious with my ears and I wear my earplugs and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, it's just not. It's just not the sort of thing I enjoy. Like going to festivals. No, you won't catch me at one. Yep. Because you have a lot of people that are drunk and you know possibly engaging in other activities, other other things. Yep. You, I can't do it. It's just not something I enjoy doing at all. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't catch me there. So tell me about a couple after a couple of tickets came out and and people obviously download it and listen to it hmm. and and you got some feedback from yep. people. So what was the next song that came out? So we had Body Like You. That was the one we were talking about a little bit before. And that was sort of an idea I was workshopping because I was, I think as a, a solo act, it's a bit difficult to sort of get anywhere from a live point of view because I was trying to get more into a live show sort of thing at that point. And so I was workshopping this idea um, for a band I was sort of creating for the same sort of music, but a bit less light, if that sort of makes sense. Yep. So I was listening to a little bit of this song called There Ain't Nothing Holding Me Back or Nothing Holding Me Back by Shawn Mendes, which is a popular car advertisement song as well Yes. Um, in its own right. And um, It's funny how, you know, how music gets ingrained in all types of different things, yeah. 100%. You use it to sell anything. But there was, there was something about hearing an electric guitar in a pop song again, and I was like, I never thought this would happen again. So I wanted to sort of give that a go combining it with sort of elements of, of some other things I'd heard heard over the years and I just sort of wanted to give it a go and see where it would where it would end up and it ended up sort of being a banger now the surprising thing is for me is even though even though it was the best recorded song of the three so far my favorite to listen to is still couple tickets yes some people's favorite to listen to is still Victoria which is the first one which I've I've said I don't I've got some mixed feelings about how I would tackle that now. Yes. And then the new one is obviously favorite for a lot of other people. And it shows that shows that to me, I can hear me writing a song in each of them. But it's funny how all three of them are completely different in terms of the way they're approached, the instrumentation used and all that sort of thing. But from like, I feel like you can tell they're all a Rob song. Yes. Yep. If that makes sense. Like they've all got a thumbprint. Well, they have. They, they have a signature, yeah, which is definitely, and and it was interesting because I think my comment, my comment to you when you released your last one was about that really reminded me of you, like in mm. it did, like that was. It's funny, like you know, in photography you'll see a photo and sometimes you'll know exactly who the photographer was, mm. um, because you've you've learnt to read their the cues in the, in their pictures and how they do things. And I mean, music's no different. You or know, like how someone will look, someone who's an expert on art will look at a Monet. Oh, yeah, that's a Monet. Monet that's straight a... away. And straight away they'll know exactly who the artist is without kind of, that's right, even knowing the piece. Mm. Which again is a, a huge compliment because it means that you're actually now creating something that is uniquely you. Mm. And that, that is actually recognisable. Mm. You know, a bit yeah. like a signature. No, 100%, yeah. But yeah, obviously with the most recent one, there's a bit more of a, a bit of a grunt behind it and a more kick in the gut, like something that's a bit, a bit more rousing. Yes. Perhaps than the, than the two that preceded it. But like we said, like some people like this one, like so that people, that, and, and so I think 
that sort of shows you that different songs mean different things to different people, right? Oh, exactly. Look, and, and music's been one of those parts of society that people will will talk about when they hear a particular song come on. Mm. It'll remind them of a time. It could be a happy time or it could be a sad time. Yeah. But people will listen to stuff or hear stuff and then it'll, it'll evoke an emotion. And music's been always very powerful. Like it's always been one of the most powerful things, you know, you know for, for ever since well, I suppose time exists is that mm. people have, have sometimes had to produce music. Like music was always going to happen. Yeah. You know 100%, what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's one, one of those weird things. It's not something people were born with musical instruments. No. But they gravitate to it. Mm. And some people, like I said, have just got that natural gift. They've got a natural ability to be able to take something and make something basically out of nothing, um, which, which again, is a fantastic. And the whole premise is this idea of this podcast is about meeting people like yourself who actually make something from nothing, basically. Well, yeah, and it's it's interesting. I don't I don't know if if this was one of the questions you asked before, but I think my whole life I was sort of uh, using things as an excuse not to do something, right? Or or saying I can't do this because I haven't done this yet. Or whereas some of the advice from my dad was, well, you don't have that, but what do you have, right? And so you know. I decided to just do it. I would, I would, I'd always talk about doing this one day or doing that one day. Yep. And rather than talk about it, I'd just do it. It was funny. It, was, it fun. was during lockdown that this all started. And it's because I was sitting in front of my desk all day, every day. And then you'd finish work and then turn to the PC on the other side, which is where the recording software was. And you're like, I'll just do that. Yes. Because yep. there's nothing else to do. Yep. One of the benefits that's come out of the pandemic is it's actually accelerated people. It's actually made people... Get to a point quicker mm. because you've had more spare time to basically to do stuff and work on stuff and and, and develop stuff. And I think the, the, the interesting thing is, how do you, you know, if if you were to meet someone in in public, unknown, someone comes up and just introduces you to this person, um, said, "Oh, what do you do, Rob? How would you introduce yourself? How would what?" what? I'd make a joke. You make a joke. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, what do you do, Rob? Well, at the moment, I'm breathing. Yep. I will then walk over there, you know, that sort of thing. And to some people, that can be very obnoxious. And it would depend, right? So if I'm at work, there's it's obvious I would be, you know, quite professional in that yes. sense. But it's kind of interesting. I, I try to not talk about what I actually do because I don't really like talking about myself in general anyway. No, a lot of people don't, but it's, it's interesting that you do. I deflect. Like I'm doing now. Yeah, you're deflecting. Yeah. So people will get to a point where they actually will start to understand something about themselves that they didn't understand. It was like, you know, with me with photography, for many, many years, if someone said, what do you do? I'd never say, oh, I'm a photographer, mm. right? Because I didn't think I was actually good enough or new enough or, or whatever. There's a whole lot of that self-doubt stuff in there. And that's exactly, you've hit the nail of the head. I, I would never lead with I play guitar on Instagram sometimes or I, yeah. uh, I I write music in my spare time or any of those things. I'd probably, you know, start talking about work more before I'd start talking about that. Yes. And because to me in the in my mental hierarchy as to what I devote most of my time to as well as what I'm 
most proud of achievement-wise and where I think I am relative to nothing, you know what I mean? That is, I would say I am that first because that is, because of those three criteria in my mind, that is the, that is the dominant one, if you yes. know what I mean. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, and, and, but everyone has to get to, people, like I said, go through this process and, you know, you quite often hear the thing, you know, touted around about a journey. And it kind of is a journey when you look at it that you have to go through these different stages to get to somewhere. Like any journey, you have to start. Hmm. There's some mechanism that you have to do to move through and then eventually you get to a point. And for some people, be able to understand what they do. And like so now if someone come up to me and said in a social setting, not hmm. in a business setting, in a social setting, I said, what do you do? And one of the things straight off, I say, oh, I'm a photographer and I do this and I do that. Hmm. I produce podcasts. I kind of now will we'll talk about that. Where in the past I would never say that. Yeah, you know, like I just wouldn't say it at all. No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's kind of like I don't want people really. It's almost like I don't really want people to know that I do that. No, I know I, what you mean. Yeah, and the 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 horrible the horrible uh, other side of that is if you don't tell anyone about it, they won't listen to it. It won't gain any traction. That's right. It's it's almost like. You have to be your own marketing person to market yep. you. A hundred percent. If you don't, and you're not going to succeed. It's 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 funny about today. There's so many, as you would as you would know, because you you've kind of in that space. But there's so many talented people, mm. so much talent, and you you wonder sometimes why these people never move past a point. They're kind of stuck in a in a holding pattern. And it really depends. I was having this discussion. Uh, with someone else I know who's really good at guitar. Probably one of the best guitarists that I know um, and that a lot of other people know too. And I was sort of saying, well, you're really good at this, you're really good at that. Why don't you like do something with it? And his response, which sort of floored me a little bit, was well, I'm doing everything I want to do with it. I don't really want anything more than to, to just play and yes. enjoy myself with myself. I don't have to share that with other people and I'm content in that. And so my sort of perspective was a bit like, I was sort of, you know. Taken back a little flawed bit. Flawed a little bit. Yeah, mm. yeah, 100%. Mm. I guess when you say do something with it, there are some people who love to sit in their room and, and play by themselves or maybe with a couple of others and that's really where they want to stop and that's fine. And I guess I've had to sort of look at other thing, at, at things less about how I would do something and just sort of accept things for the way they are with certain people. But then 100%, like you said, there are some other people who you're like, if you're so good at this and you want to do it and you want to pursue that, why don't you just do it? Yes. Take the leap. Look, to draw a parallel back to the photography side of things, people quite often said to me, why don't you put your photos in, in these awards you can enter different you know award competitions and you can get accolades for your images yeah and i and, and they kind of same I've, I've flawed people exactly the same as what your mate did but i said but why i'm happy i'm happy creating what i'm creating and for the reasons that i create it as much as you know some people need that um ego boost almost or well, yeah or, or that you know that reinforcement of the of their skills yeah. by someone saying, "Oh, I've scored this image, and this image has got you know eighty five points out of a hundred. Like it's mm. a really good image." 
for me personally, it doesn't feed me what I need. Mm. It doesn't give me that that point. So I totally understand where your where your mate's at. Where he's like I said, he's happy doing what he's doing. Yeah. And there's so many people, like I said, who are in that place where they're they're making stuff for them, and they don't need anything else, you know, to fulfil them. Yeah. But I mean, what are your? I suppose moving forward, you're working on some new stuff at the moment. You've got some stuff in the pipeline. Just back. With the, with the point you were just making, I think one of the things that when other people see your work and they'll not understand why you want to share it, it's sort of, you sort of, I don't, I sort of agree with what I'm about to say, but disagree as well. But you're sort of withholding other people from enjoying that. Yep. You're withholding other people from experiencing like, someone who's not into photography could see a, a a Steve picture and think, I'm going to do photography. I'm going to do an oil painting of that and become good at that. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I sort of agree with what I've said, but I also disagree with it as well because I'm, I'm a little bit selfish sometimes as, as well. Which is fine. It must be said. Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, that was the only point I had on that. That's right. So we were just going down the path of, the stuff that you're currently working on. And what I want to try and do is is get a bit of an understanding of where where you'd like to, to go as an artist. What which direction would it be? Would you crave commercial some type of commercial success or you're just happy to do stuff that makes you happy? Um well I just want to do make the music that I want to make really. Um so And and if some commercial success comes off of that, that's yeah, hundred percent. That's, that's a cherry on the top. Yeah, that's and, a cherry on the top. That's not that, but that's not the. It's not the goal. It's not the driving. Force. Be really nice. Yeah, but it's not the goal. Yeah, like I don't really enjoy recording, but I do like listening to what I've created be finished. Yes, and not just locked away up in here. Yeah, because it's, there's definitely something. There's definitely that something about when you've finished something that that you finished it. Like yeah. it's 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 complete. Yeah, it's definitely a. You can tick it off. I mean, a lot of people work on uh, my wife, who you know quite well. Mm. She is a list person. Yeah. She lists out everything that she needs to achieve. And she does it. And she does it. But she gets great satisfaction of drawing a line through as she's – it does my head in sometimes because sometimes there's things on the list that that's not so important. Yes, it is. It's on the list. It's got to be done. Every item on this list list is equally as important as every other item. But there's just that tremendous sense of accomplishment of that you've done something by mm. doing it. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting how we all process stuff and we do do stuff. Well, when I have to do stuff, I, I would under, I would think that whether it's music or not music, that people would look at whatever it is that I do and call it extremely chaotic because I sometimes write lists and then I sometimes don't, and yep. then sometimes something what I'm writing down is drawn over into the same page as something else that I'm writing down. It's very hard to follow and you don't really understand what's going on. If someone was to look through any of the notes in my books at work, they would not know what's going on. Well, you sound, you sound like my mind. Mm. So in my iPad, in notes, I will have an idea and I'll write down a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. And then other times I'll just go off and do something and I've written nothing down, mm. right, and I'll just go off and do whatever. Yeah. And it's interesting and I, I kind of write notes about more more or less to remind me too because sometimes you know you have this idea to do something 
and then other stuff's happened and it kind of gets put on the backbone and you forget about it. But then you're flicking through, looking for something else. I know. I didn't do that. No, but you go, but it's kind of like, oh, yeah, but, but sometimes you just go, nah, I've moved past that. I'm, yeah, I'm, sure. I don't, I don't do that anymore. No, I get you. But I'll, I'll go out and I'll buy a book and I'll want that book to be the book that I write diary entries into because I want to start understanding my understanding thought processes at different parts of my life. Not to do with music at all. It was specifically not to be that. Yes. Then a book for, for lyrics and, and other things. That book is completely forgot. That book is completely forgotten about, and it's all in one book. And then you'll see a journal entry here, and then it'll be really well, thoroughly written about for a week, and then it won't be touched for six months. And then I'll go back to it, and it's yeah, it's <laughs> it's a bit haphazard. That quite often that is how we create stuff in life. Life sometimes can be haphazard because things happen and you can't control it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. And but we get through. We get we, you know, we work through it. Well, order comes from chaos as well. Well, that's true. And that's vice true. versa. That's true. Mm. So, I'm 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 thinking, just so people can kind of understand a little bit more about you as an artist, that we might drop some, some audio from, your songs in here. If you'd like to. Yeah, I'd love to. Sure. So, I'm just wondering if we just at this point, I get you to kind of introduce. Each of the tracks. So I don't know what you want to. If we put, um, say the last three. Let's just do the last two. Last two. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Last two. So they're the more recent ones. The more, re- more true reflections yeah, of what's been going, going on, on recently. So what I'd probably get you to do at this point, and I'll use this audio to do it as a. We'll drop it in there as as you introducing the track. Hmm. So basically, you're going to give us a little bit of a. A behind the scenes, behind the scenes look. A bit of a behind the scenes look. Well, this will be interesting, and then we can listen to it. So you can talk about some of the process of how you did that. So that would be a couple of tickets would be the first one. Yeah. So if you want a bit of a background behind that, it started out being like a sort of hitting a chord on the guitar, and then a lot of the songs I write are music first, lyrics later. Lyrics yes. are an afterthought. Yes. Because as long as you've got the chords and the melody, you can make up whatever you want and put that along. And it's not really something that I've done consciously, but it's the Paul McCartney method, which I read about in one of his books or in about him talking about how he approaches songwriting. Because a lot of the songwriting advice is to do the exact opposite. Yes. To write the words first. Yep. But then you're trying, I feel like, if you're trying to arrange music around the words, it doesn't flow as nicely. Whereas if you're trying to cram words in, because the English language is so expansive and it combines words from many different origins that sound the same or mean different, there are so many different meanings you can cram into a small area that a thesaurus, I don't use one, but you you could make, you could cram anything into a small, you could cram it all. Yes. But with, I find it, more difficult to try and cram music into a verbal form, if that sort of makes sense. Yes. Yep. Um, and so, so this one's like every other song starts at, is just music first. So I had verses and choruses, um, and bridges or, or 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 what would you call them? Middle eights. Yep. That's the most difficult thing for me to do because I have an idea and I like that idea and that's good and that's done. But then you need something in the middle to change it up, right? 
and I don't really know how I came up with it, but I just did. And the lyrics are basically about, they ended up being about asking someone out on a date. It could be, it could mean anything. Bus tickets, plane tickets, co- concert tickets. Concert tickets. It, it's very up in the air. Yes. There is, there is very, uh, there is a lot of room to move with, with what that could possibly be, be about. And so I guess it's a pretty innocent song. It's a pretty nice song. It's, it's, it's pretty middle of the road in terms of the meaning behind it. But, you know, like a lot of things, it becomes entangled in your own personal meanings behind what it could possibly be. And, and I think, I think sometimes having that little bit of not a, you know, a solid reason behind it's universal, the song. It's eh? universal. Anyone, and you yeah. can, many people can adapt that to suit their situation. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's basically, it's basically the song, the, the cover. I basically wanted to get a plane ticket and just change some of the words on it to sort of reflect what the, who I am and what the song name is. Yes. And then got someone to make it look like it had been through a war. Yes, and then put that in as the as the cover for it. So I, I actually thought that was a pretty cool idea, um, but yeah, that's basically the song. Excellent. So yeah. let, let's roll that and um, have a listen. Okay. You see, I got a couple tickets, and I I wanted you to come with me tonight. I know there's no one else I'd ask cause I Well cause there's no one else like I got a funny way of asking you Cause every time I think of you my comments as guys got to it I gotta find a way to follow through on what I say what I do Listen babe Nobody listens to the words you say They don't give me the time of day Your feelings start to slip away Now you're around me So I think I need a minute now Cause I'm starting to wonder how I got a chance to make things right I gotta ask, I think I'm a high I got a funny way of asking too What do we hold on to? Think of it from my point of view and I gotta find a way to follow through on what I say what I do Listen, babe Nobody listens to the words you say And they don't give me the time to take Your feelings start to slip away now you're around me I gotta ask you holding on I thought we knew this all along Nothing this good could ever be wrong Now you're around me Don't say you've turned me away I've come so far I've come so far come so far Cause you know I can't keep coming around again And through it See, I've got a couple tickets and I, I wanted you to come with me tonight. I know there's no one else I'd ask cause I, cause there's no one else alike. I got a funny way of asking you cause every time I think of you my common sense gets cut in two. I gotta find a way to follow through. Oh, listen babe, nobody listens to the words I say. They don't give me the time of day. Your feelings start to slip away Now you're around me Oh, this ain't something I was ever told Well, look at you and I was so 
That was great. Thanks for giving us the, the background on a couple of tickets. So yeah. so what's the next one we're going to roll for and have a listen to? Tell us a little bit about this one. So Body Like You is a, is a pretty interesting song. Again, I sort of wrote it when I was sort of trying to create songs that were still Rob, but for a band ensemble so that, you know, you could play electric guitar bass, you know, that sort of thing. And, and, and it would sound pretty good live, but also on a recording. I guess the song is just about going on a night out and wanting to take someone home. Like that's um, there, there isn't really a deep and meaningful uh, meaning behind the song, and it's sort of got a, a dancey beat behind it, so yep. it sort of fits with the narrative that you're creating there. Ain't nobody, but <laughs> ain't nobody got a body like you. So that, is that is that your new pickup line? Oh. I don't know if that would work too well. I think the key when you're trying to compliment someone when you're meeting them for the first time is try to pick something that you don't think that other people would compliment on them. Like, for example, if you um, if you had particularly outrageous hair or if you had particularly, you know, a, a really vibrant, different colored eye and someone's like, oh, wow, you have great eyes. Oh, yeah, I don't get told that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know how well that pickup line would, would go for someone, but I would... I'd love to see a compilation of people trying it out because I reckon there'd be a lot of face slaps in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe we can get it trending. Get it trending. Get it trending. Get Hashtag people, body like you. You, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That, That'd be really cool. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Would so be. basically, everyone go out there, try the pickup line. Hashtag body like you. Post your fails. <laughs> Let and, me know. And your successes. You never know. And your successes, but they can't be staged. A lot of people do those staged pickup lines thing. Yeah. Uh, do you see those? Yeah, you do. You they do. go up to these girls who, who, and they say the most ridiculous things and they go, oh yeah, take me back to your place. And you're like, you got a big smile on your face. Yeah, you probably the, paid you 50 bucks. Well, there's a YouTuber who does it. He goes out and asks yeah. right, right, outrageous questions and to girls and yeah, the reactions are, you know, you're not going to get that in the real world. So where was this one recorded? This was recorded. Yeah, recorded at home. Home again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%, 100% at home. And with the recording process, it generally starts with me laying down the backing track, which is a guitar track and a vocal track, yep. and they're both horrible, yep. horrible quality. Then you'll, then I do a sort of better track of everything and then send that to a drummer, get the drums back, and then start again with everything and layer it all on top. So drums, then bass, then all those millions of different guitar tracks. Voice comes last because... I feel like I need to hear everything else to get the voice to really do that. Yes. So lead vocals and then backing vocals again on top of that. And that's sort of the cream on top. Yes. Before I submit and then get it all happening from a from a mastering perspective. So every instrument on my song so far has been me apart from the drums. Cool. All right, let's, let's roll this one and um, have a listen. Let's kick it. Let's do it. Changing face ahead 
Thanks for sharing that. And one thing I'd like to do is, is obviously, where can people find out more about you? Where, where, what type of places can people go and find something about your music and what you've done? So, despite being a younger fella, I'm actually not very good at new stuff. So, I think I post music, I post little videos and, and pictures in that of myself on Instagram. Yes. And I have music on Spotify and a couple of the other sort of big music platforms but i don't really know of many other places to sort of put that stuff 
No. I don't really I don't really have I mean idea. I mean a lot of people have things like, you know, on SoundCloud or um places like, you know, Bandcamp and different there's different other platforms. Have you have you got stuff on that or is you basically in Spotify and yeah, Apple Music? I, I didn't I didn't even really know about SoundCloud until very recently. Yeah. Um I hadn't really even heard of it and uh from what I gathered from it, just looking at it and looking what other people have said about it, it's very much a rap platform, like rap, like um. So it's yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't really know much about it to tell you the truth. Yes, yeah. Um, and I don't really, I guess, I guess the faults on myself for not doing a lot of research. I don't really do research. I just sort of just do stuff. Do stuff. And if it works, great. Do it again. And yep. if it doesn't, then try something else. Exactly, because you you do you do put a lot of. I suppose clips up of of you performing typically in your in your kitchen. Yeah, yep. Um kitchen's got great lighting. I see that. It's got great, great surroundings. It's got some great props in the background and I really annoy people in the kitchen, you know why? You'll probably see it, but I can't leave a cupboard closed. Yep. And it annoys people at work, it annoys people at home, it annoys people at other people's houses. But it's just so convenient. You can just reach in and grab whatever you want. You don't have to open the cupboards, it saves no. time. Yeah, yeah. They should I don't even know why they have cupboards. There's a life hack right there, I think. You're giving away a bit of a hack there to save a bit of time. And money. Take the cupboard doors off. Yeah, but if you if you build a house without cupboard doors, you'll probably save on materials and labour. Possibly could. Mm. Possibly could. They should write a song about that. should write a song about that. So, look, thanks for sharing so much about, I suppose, your journey so far. I kind of wish you every success moving forward in the future, and I hope you get everything that you need to get for you from your music. But I have to ask a really important question because this is an Australian podcast. Right. And I was thinking about I need to have oh, a really a really important question in here. So how do you like your Vegemite? Oh, oh you, I thought you were going to ask me something else. No. Something do you, do, else you, do, you, do you layer it on or do you just, just that little whisk of Vegemite on the – tell us how you, how you do it. So Vegemite growing up for me was a hated food. Yep. But it was a necessary one. Because, so parents put it on me that you have to make your own lunches. They put it on both my brother and I, but it was never enforced on my younger brother because he never did it anyway. So I only really knew how to make Vegemite sandwiches. Yep. So it was Vegemite. Yep. And bread. So but, and I would, butter? With butter? Never. Okay, just veg. But, butter only goes on potatoes or bread with nothing else on it. Okay. Butter doesn't belong on sandwiches. Because some people are horrified when they see someone making a Vegemite sandwich mm. and they're laying around on like they're plastering. So now Vegemite is a food that I will eat on a very rare occasion. It'll be two slices of white bread. Yep. It will be Vegemite layered on thick, but the key for Vegemite that a lot of people don't understand is that because it's so salty, you need something to counteract the salt. Pour yourself a big glass of milk. Yep. Eat the Vegemite on the bread. You don't put it together. You just eat the bread by itself like a pizza. Okay, yes, yep. So an open sandwich. Yes. And then whilst you're eating the Vegemite, you drink a bit of milk every now and then. And that, I think I learned that from, I used to go to daycare as a kid. So before and after school care, not at the school, but yes, there was yep. a, someone who lived around the corner. And one of the sons of the, the daycare people, he used to watch WWE wrestling Every afternoon that it was on, so Mondays and Thursdays, and he used to eat Vegemite with a big glass of milk in exactly the way that I told you about it. Yep. And I haven't, and that's the only way I eat it. So there's there's, there's a life hack right there. Life hack right there. Try it. Um, yeah, you definitely need that to counteract the salt. Excellent. 
Fantastic. Well, thanks for sitting down again and sharing some of the story. And fantastic to have you on. This is the very first podcast of this series. And I think it's always great to get people in and get them to to share their stories. It's my first podcast too. There you go. So there it's you a, go. It's a first on a lot of different levels. It's a night of firsts. It's a night of firsts. There you go. Excellent. Rob, all right, mate. Well, um, I'm really going to look forward to your next banger coming out. All right. Well, you won't have to wait too long. Excellent. See ya. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Bye. You have been listening to Meet the Maker Australia. If you know someone who would be great to interview, send us a message. Thank you for listening.